Welcome to Business Talk Sister Cock. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode title is How to Overcome the Fear of Risk. Now, we decided that we were going to do a two-part series on fear because it's something that a lot of people talk about, especially in business, but we're going to start this first one with understanding fear. So Ruthie, tell us the research that you've done. What is fear? Okay, well, I don't know if you could really call it research, quote unquote. They make this sound really intense, but... Um, okay, but you did. I heard <laughs> she was like spending so much time researching on the internet, like trying to find out all this information. Yeah, okay. So fear is a response to something. So it's either external or internal stimuli, but it's a response in some way. You're reacting to something. Um, and even when... It, this is something that I thought was really interesting that I wrote down. It says, when you don't know what the source of that fear is, it quickly descends into anxiety um, when you're in a constant state of nervousness. So it can just put you in the spot where you're like, you don't even know what you're afraid of anymore. It, like it started with the source of something and then it just kept continuing. And so now you're just anxious and you don't know why. Um, and anxiety can cause your body to be basically in a constant state of reacting to danger like you're like there's something that you should be afraid of and so you feel this this internal tension of anxiety um that's just basically your body telling you that you're in danger Mm -hmm. also known as trauma also known as overreacting fight or flight like you're literally putting yourself in fight or flight mode when Mm -hmm. you're super anxious yeah so What is like that anxiety then? Because I know that you were kind of seeing how anxiety affects a lot of things to create continual fear. I watched this video that I thought was really good by John Deloney, who's one of the Ramsey personalities. Um, He's got his own YouTube channel and stuff like that. But he talked about how anxiety is actually a fire alarm that it's not necessarily the root issue it's just telling you that there's something going on it's telling you that your whole house is on fire the issue is the fact that your house is on fire it's not like oh man the stupid fire alarm it's just Mm. like the, the actual issue is the house itself so anxiety is just your internal reaction to something that's happening um so kind of the some the five steps that he gave for how to overcome that anxiety is one to write it down two based on that list what can you control and what can't you control and then um later on in the episode i'm going to talk about uh um, stephen covey's example of how he um thinks of the circle of influence versus circle of concern we'll talk about that later and the third thing was take control of your body because like what we've been talking about a lot it's the you know fight or flight and everything so start breathing he talked about like box breathing which is like like four seconds of inhaling four seconds of holding four seconds of exhaling four seconds of just not doing anything and then you breathe again and then you just like do that process another way is to exercise um like just getting basically that blood flow and those endorphins and whatever eating right um (laughs) an example of this Becca and I didn't talk about this beforehand, but I just really want to share it. I 
I cannot handle caffeine very well. It makes me <laughs> crazy. Like I already have a very high energy level to begin with. But then like when you put caffeine in my body, it feels like I literally feel like I am hammy from over the edge. <laughs> just like <laughs> the little squirrel. Have, yeah, that I have, there's like this pent up energy and my body just can't handle it. So I feel like I'm just like mm-hmm. a bottle. Like if you shake up a thing, a pop, that's what I feel like inside. I'm just like, hey. <laughs> anyway. So coffee, not oh, not a good time. I hear you though. That happens to me if I drink more than one cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. I'm like, I just have all this anxiety and I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to tell a quick story really quick. One time I was at Becca and Joel's house and Becca and Joel make this really good dirty chai with like milk and everything on their stove. It's not it's- dirty chai. You don't even like coffee. It's just regular chai tea. All this time. I thought it Oh my word, I thought it was dirty chai. No. Anyways, okay, chai tea. And um I was at their house all day, so I had like like three to five cups of it. <laughs> and then I just like I think it was five cups actually. And um and then we're on the way home and like I just was like feeling really off and like cause they was I was driving with Becca and I was like, man, like I just, I wasn't saying any of this to her, but I was like, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel like this? I just feel so anxious and like just, and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to cry. Like what is wrong with me? I went into my house. I literally walked in, laid on the floor in the kitchen and just bawled my eyes out. I was like, <laughs> I'm so distraught. I called my mom and I was like, mom, I don't know what's going on. Like my heart just feels like it's just going so fast and I just feel so anxious and I don't know why. And she was like, okay and then she's like talking with me and everything and then all of a sudden I had this like light bulb moment I was like mom does chai tea have caffeine in it and she was like yeah a lot I was like (laughs) I had five cups (laughs) so now you know okay so so far we're gonna get back on track one number one write it down based on the list what can you control what can't you control that was number two oh sorry number two uh, number three, take control of your body. Breathe. Don't have caffeine. Okay, which leads us to number four, interact with people. Call someone. See someone face-to-face if you can. Send someone. Don't send someone a text or an email. Like you actually need to hear. There's something about interacting with a human being that's different than just getting a text. Mm, um, or hug a dog. Or hug a dog, yeah. Or I maybe a cat. <laughs> or, or maybe not, <laughs> but you know, we don't do that. Um, and then number five is gratitude. Like make a gratitude journal, like get that to be a part of your like reflexive response to situations where it's like, like, wow, I just, I, I've noticed like the more that I've done this in my life, <laughs> I just like, I can't help it now. Like I just, the other day, I almost pulled out in front of this car that was like coming and I like hit, I, I hit my brakes and I didn't, I wasn't even close to hitting that. But then I just started laughing. I was like, whoa, I almost died. <laughs> I was like, I easily, like, I'm so grateful that I did not hit that guy. That would have really sucked. <laughs> I just like laughed about it. Um, anyway, but that's like gratitude is the, the fifth one. Um, so... Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to also note on this that, okay, one of the things that I've learned over the years, um, so you have the frontal cortex, right? Um, The frontal lobe, it doesn't like fully develop until you're age 25. So that's why like American Cancer Society and everybody's like, don't be doing like smoking cigarettes and all this stuff because it wrecks your frontal lobe, which, okay, 
interesting so (laughs) but like while it's developing um you use primarily your fight or flight instincts that emotional responses but um and then like in the back of like the stem of your brain is like all of this stuff like um your breathing your heart pumping all that stuff that just the natural things that happen without you even thinking about it right but what's interesting that I learned in a lot of these different trauma trainings that I've gone to is they said the biggest thing, the fastest way to access your frontal lobe is actually to breathe, focused breathing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my word, like what? <laughs> Seriously? And that's why they really focus on breathing, practice breathing, think about breathing. And I'm like, this is so stupid, like whatever. But then actually when I have done it, so, and this really comes out, especially when you become irrational, when you're really upset. And the fastest way to like get back into your logic processing center to be like, okay, this is really something that I'm freaking out about and it doesn't really matter is to just focus on your breathing. And I've tried it when I'm like, (laughs) I've done this with my, with my son where we're just like talking and then all of a sudden I'm just like, (laughs) like breathing. And he's like, why do you sound like Darth Vader? (laughs) I'm just like, but it works. It does. And so, um, I do think a lot of people talk about that, but they don't actually talk about like the science behind it. And I do think that um, science gets me. So I, mm-hmm. it's not just, oh, because it makes you feel better. Like really, it actually does help you push yourself into the frontal cortex. Okay. So how do you process risk in your mind? First, you have to understand what those risks are. And then you can plan to have less fear around those risk items so like if you know that you're going to be let's relate this back to business if you have a really big presentation that you have to give that's a risk okay like maybe um you're going to be presenting a new product or something and you're afraid maybe it's a really good idea and you don't want people to steal it or you are put in risk and that people are going to think it's a bad idea and like gonna boo you off the stage or something um but there's a risk involved in that. So you have to understand, okay, what are some ways that I can acknowledge that fear and plan for it? Like, mm-hmm. so tell us how you would do that, Becca. So when I I plan for my fears by saying, okay, this is something I fear, um, but what can I do to make sure that like I can push through this or what are some fallbacks in, in place to make sure if they if this isn't going to go well, here's where I can go with this from there. One of the books I'm reading right now is by John C. Maxwell, How Successful People Think. And a really big thing that he talks about at, at the beginning is that f- successful thinkers are visionaries. They've, they forecast so many different ways that something could happen and all the different basically worst case scenarios of how it could go wrong. And then they plan for those things. And I definitely think I do that a lot more than I should <laughs> in a lot of ways where I'm like, okay, this is happening or like this could happen. So here's all the different ways that I can plan around that. But it does allow me to still move forward. Um, and and when you're thinking about what is the risk that you want to take, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week too, but can you afford the risk that you fear? Um, and like, can you afford, if it's something that you're saying, well, my friends are going to laugh at me. Can you afford to let them laugh at you? If you can, then what's stopping you? Who cares? Mm-hmm. 
And I think that for me, when I know that I'm going to be doing something scary, I have to think of the steps that I know that I can take right now. And then if there's something that I can see in the future that's going to be hard for me or that's going to be scary, then I plan to meet with someone at the point where I'm stuck. So if I know, okay, I need to get this project done and I can do these four steps and I could probably get them done by Wednesday, Thursday, I set up a meeting with somebody else. And it's usually Becca because she's really good at getting me unstuck from things. But sometimes it's not, you know, like find those people who are really good at whatever you are afraid of and then just say, okay, I'm just going to, as I'm going through this and gaining questions, like we did a series on mentorship and we talked with um, the CEO of Stormy Cromer, uh, Bob Jacquard, who's really cool. And he talked a lot about in preparation for meeting with mentors, he wrote down questions to talk with them. Mm-hmm. So as I'm going through all these things and like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Oh, I'm so afraid of this. Like, I don't even know where to start with that. I write those things down and then it's like, it's not scary anymore because it's like, well, I'm going to ask all these things to that person. So I know that we're going to make progress and I'm just going to keep pushing forward with what I know how to do right now. And then at the point where I'm absolutely like, I I, I know that I'm working towards a point where I will get stuck And it's okay because my next step after that is to meet with this person. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, so I definitely do that when it's a pro, if there's a project where I'm like, I'm not going to start this because I'm just afraid, like I'm going to get in trouble with this. Um, So an example of that is, you know, we launched these scrubby holders (laughs) and we're doing this whole business trying to figure out, okay, retail, wholesale, all this stuff. And I knew that I wanted to do retail sales but I was nervous because I'm like I've never done sales and use tax to this extent or understood it um, because I've always paid just the taxes on the receipt and so I don't have to pay use tax because I'm not getting things tax free so how do I like retail sales how do I collect tax and I'm just like this is a whole new ball game the government is not great at giving you information on how to do this in a way that makes sense so how do I go about it and I was so nervous so nervous and then finally I was just like you know what I know that there's a ton of boutiques out there that know how to do this already (laughs) because they're selling every day so I'm just gonna go straight wholesale at the beginning and tell people quite honestly I have no idea how sales tax works how are you doing it (laughs) and I did that and somebody was like oh well for Minnesota you need this one form if like you're gonna sell to me then like we need that so like it's because I'm buying it wholesale to then resell then I'm tax exempt because I'm buying it for resale it's like oh okay and so uh, now I know that process and I know the tax form but then for retail sales you just have to find all of the taxes for your county the state and then your city if there's a specific tax in there and you can look that up on the internet and then that's what you do but thankfully as I was doing stuff within the website and setting everything up there's these different there's a plugin that actually will auto calculate that for you and I was amazed (laughs) I was like wow like literally I've been stewing over this for a few months being afraid to do anything but if I just push forward and get e-commerce set up on the website all of a sudden oh there's already a solution out there for this and wow it's already ready to go and so now all I have to do is just pull that number and then now I know what to pay Mm -hmm. yeah and one thing that has really I've seen myself growing in the past couple months uh, and it specifically started because I, I work a lot with youth and um, there was one of the, another person that works with me was like, 
hey, will you lead this with me right now? And I was like, oh, okay. And then we hadn't prepped for it or whatever. And it happens to be a point of, of that has been a consistent point of anxiety for me that she like asked me to just do it with her. And I was like, okay. And then we just did it. And honestly, it went horribly. <laughs> it was <laughs> a hot mess. But then the next week, a bunch of youth came forward and said, hey, could we take that over? Could we lead that? And I was like, yeah, you can. And like, so then they They're like, wow, it. I can see how I can do that so much better than you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was like, it, it was really humbling. But at the same time, I have been learning that I would rather step out and do something and fail at it than not do it. Mm. So I've been trying to wrestle with this fear of like, is this fear that I have of doing whatever a bigger fear than the fear of never having done that ever and that's something that's like really been pushing me to actually get out of my comfort zone well and I think too we really fail to think a lot about how other people can give us feedback on how to do better and if you don't push yourself just in the first to say you know what I'm going to do this and if I fail it's okay um whatever it is, like you design something and you think, hey, what do you think of this? And you can be super excited about it or super embarrassed about it. But then if somebody looks at it and says, you know what I would do differently? I would do this and this and this because I think it's going to be a more practical use. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I never even thought about those things. And that's going to make it even better. So the next time you present it to someone, it's an even better prototype. And you can say, okay, hey, look what I did. What do you think of this? And maybe there's not as much feedback in that turnaround, but it's getting better and better and better because other people are giving you advice on how to improve so that you can be better. And this is something that like, I feel like I've been having major breakthrough in my life where it's like, if you just have these ideas in your head, nobody can can speak to them at all <laughs> like but if you actually start doing them then yes it's a vulnerable thing because those are the, they're out there but it's also giving you an opportunity to learn from other people because they're like oh hey I see you doing that and I think you could do it like this like just like what Becca was talking about another thing that has been huge for me because I am fiercely practical <laughs> is that the other day I was sitting there and I was thinking uh, again, before I was going to bed and I just was thinking and thinking and thinking. And then all of a sudden I had this thought that just popped in my head. It was like, this is not productive at all. Cause I'm not like actually planning for what I'm going to be doing. And even if I was, I'm not writing it down. So I'm not going to remember it in the morning, which I would not recommend doing before bed. I used to do that. And then I would just stay up really late, like writing all these things I was going to do the next day. It was a hot mess. Anyways, do it in the morning if you want. Um, you <laughs> or do- just say your limit is six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do what you need to do. But like I was sitting there, I was like, wow, this is actually an unproductive use of my time. It would be a much better use of my time to get a good night's sleep. <laughs> like, so then, and it was the funniest thing because I was like, oh yeah, okay. I'm done thinking about this now. And this is useless use of my time. But then I just went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing that I noticed recently for Ruthie too is like she stews on things for a really long time. And sometimes I'm like, well, if you are thinking about that, you should go meet with this person because they have experience with that. And then when she does it and she's like, well, this is what I'm worried about. And I don't want this person to be mad at me. And then <laughs> like the person that she met with was like, it's not your job to make everyone happy. And then all of a sudden she was like, wow you're right (laughs) (laughs) and the other thing with becca is that she like i she'll push me to to do those things and for a long time i was really afraid of disappointing becca and And she'd be really mad at me (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, like the the fear of disappointing her specifically was like, I just couldn't, I, I don't know, I couldn't proceed. And so now it's like, I know I'm secure enough in our relationship that I know like I can just text this person right away that she told me to text instead of waiting months and months. And every time I see her like, oh, I'm so upset with myself. Like I know that I let her down in this way or whatever. Like it's just like, first of all, you're securing a your relationship and just text the person. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think that a big fear too of taking risk is that um, it's a relational thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some things that I've been like, I'm not going to take a risk in this area because, um, I know that if I were to pursue that kind of business model, um, someone else would be really offended. Hmm. And it's not necessarily that it's a bad idea, but like, I just know that like, there's certain people that would take that personally. Like, why are you doing something like this when I do something similar? Hmm. And it's not necessarily bad that we could both do it. However, because I value that relationship and it's really not something I want to do in my life right now, I'm not going to pursue it um, for the for the sake of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and so know those things and just be aware that sometimes you do make choices based on how you want to keep relationship with other people. And that's okay. Um, but if it's manipulative and that person is like, purposefully trying to keep you from doing what you're you feeling that led to do it can be an issue um or or you could be like in in ruthie in my situation a really big like thinking so much more about that person's expectations for you and then not Mm -hmm. wanting to do anything and and at the same time like when we've talked about these things i'm like i I don't, after I tell you to go do something, I don't sit there and dwell on it. Like, why is she doing nothing? Like, <laughs> I just forget about it. <laughs> and uh, so I think sometimes we can dwell on overthinking about other people's opinions of us then and then like create a narrative of what they will say so that we predict the future of how they're going to react to us. And so we do nothing because we just automatically assume that um, they'll disagree with what we want to do. I know that we are running a little bit short on time, so I'm going to talk about this and then next week we'll kind of get more into fear, specifically how it relates to starting um, a business. But I wanted to talk about Stephen Covey's concept of circle of influence versus circle of concern, uh, because this was also really big for me and um, just kind of overcoming a lot of anxiety in my life. Um, Just thinking about, so the circle of influence is think of you in the middle and then there's a small circle around you. Those are the things that you're concerned about and you can control. You can, well, you can do something about it. So like doing the dishes or like spending more time with your son or whatever, those are things that you're concerned about, but you can actually do something about them. And then a circle of concern is a lot bigger than that. So there's your circle of influence is inside that circle of concern, but the circle of concern is like huge. So you can be really anxious about a lot of things. You can be really concerned about a lot of things and then, but to have zero control over them, like the economy or like wars in other countries or like the, the structure of the, your public school system or whatever it is like they're not necessarily things that you have control over but when you actually sit there when you spend all of your time in your circle of concern it's really stressful and I do that a lot that's my default is to be thinking of all these things like well what if this goes wrong what if this goes wrong and that that's where my mind likes to go 
But then when I actually sit down and like, okay, what is my circle of influence? What can I actually make steps in? What can I actually be doing right now to improve my situation? That's when things can start to fizzle out. And it's not this big, huge, like storm cloud of things that are happening. It's like, okay, here's one droplet and I can address that. Okay. Yeah. And oh yeah, here's this like cup of water. Like I can address that. And it's just, that's a weird example. I just feel like I went with the water theme. Anyways. <laughs> well, I'll give, I'll give another example. So a lot of times people, especially recently with like COVID-19 or whatever else, people have been like really concerned about, um, like politics or like their community and all this stuff. And I think that I think that like that sometimes is out of our control, but then at the same time, there are certain steps you can take within your sphere of influence to give feedback, right? And I hate doing those things because I enjoy being a bum in that area. Um, But knowing that, okay, I'm not doing my civic duty if I don't like actually contribute. I'm just a complete hypocrite. Like I can complain about a bunch of stuff, but like if I don't do anything about it, then that's an issue. And so for me, like actually going to some of these like community feedback sessions where they're gathering data on the the region and what um, different economic moves can we make to improve the lives of people in our community and just like advocating for broadband and saying, this is something that affects a lot of people. Um, Like that's something I need to do because it's something that I am responsible to do as a part of my community. And one thing that I really value about Becca specifically is that she's constantly looking for ways to increase her circle of influence. Like how going, showing up at this meeting that increases your circle of influence in that way, or like putting yourself on in different board meetings or whatever, you know, like finding ways that you can increase that is really valuable. Um, we're going to continue with this topic next week, um, and we're going to transition into the Sister Gog portion of our episode this week. But if you liked what you heard, go ahead and, and check us out on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. We're on most uh, major podcasting platforms. Share a link to our website with a friend. Now we're going to transition to our Sister Gawk portion. And for this week, we have our little sister, Mia. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my um, uh, air horn sound. Um, anyways, we've talked a lot about her. She's our graphic design uh, guru here. And um, she's going to share a family classic story that we tell that is so funny. Um, so Becca's going to tell her perspective first. And then Mia can tell her perspective of what happened. okay so um when we were younger my brother and i would drive together like every day into uh track practice one time we like got in the car and drove all the way to track practice and we sang like the whole time whatever listened to music got there and um we were kind of like doing our thing and then all of a sudden somebody's like does anyone know who this little kid belongs to (laughs) and i like turned around and there's Mia. <laughs> I'm like, how did you get here? <laughs> and she didn't have any uh, shirt on. Was it shirt or pants? I didn't have shorts or pants. I mean, I didn't have a shirt or pants. I found shorts underneath the seat of the car. And uh, yeah, it was really difficult not to sing while you guys were singing. <laughs> so, okay, we have to like, yeah, how old were you? Like four? 
three or four yeah 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 and so she's sitting there and we andrew gave her a jacket varsity jacket his letterman jacket which was huge on her it was the best thing but it was so sweaty and i my andrew calls my mom and we were still at home and andrew calls my mom is like mom mia is here at practice she's like well what can i do about it (laughs) like she's like come get her she's like we can't we're not going into town until later (laughs) so then mia just sat there in their letterman jacket with like just nothing else on underneath <laughs> except a pair of shorts and then just kind of hanging out at track practice until we could come and pick her up and i remember when we went to go pick her up she just happy as a clam like coming down <laughs> coming down the street and then she's got like her little her little head poking out of this massive jacket that's like <laughs> le- because it's a leatherman it like stands up by itself basically <laughs> okay so what exactly like how did you get Tell us the story of, like, how you got in the car. <laughs> okay, so I didn't want to do school. I didn't. You were, like, three. Okay, yeah, mom had me do, like, preschool stuff, and I didn't want to watch them do school the whole time. I was super bored. So I got out of the thing. I got into the car, and um, I remember, like, like shifting myself underneath the seat and just, like, <laughs> shimmied under there. And I was like, oh, some shorts, and I put them on. <laughs> And then, and then I waited, and I waited, and it was starting to get really hot, and then all of a sudden you guys got in the car, and I was like, goodness gracious, you guys take forever to get into places. And then you guys drove all the way there, and then um, you guys left the car, and I was like, dang it, I missed my chance to surprise you. So I like, got out of the car, because you guys left it unlocked, and I was like, that wasn't very smart, I can't even unlock doors. And then, and then I got out there. And um, I saw this one chick, and she—I wasn't wearing a shirt, so I was—I saw her, and I was like, "Hello!" <laughs> and the the kind of the the pinnacle of all of this was when we always say this to each other. It's like Mia standing there after the lady was like, "Hey, whose kid is this?" Mia goes, "I'm, I'm here." <laughs> and Andrew was like, "Yeah, but why are you here?" <laughs> So anyways, thank you so much for joining us this week. Mia, thank you for sharing um, <laughs> one of your uh, classic stories there. And um, we will see you again next week.